0: Welcome to Take a Moment, I'm Nathan Bennett.
1: And I'm Mari Yamaguchi. And we have a special episode for you today. And it's featuring three customers. I know we normally only have one guest, but this one is a special episode in celebration of CX Day or Customer Experience Day and also Customer Service Professionals Week as well too. So what these two special occasions and celebrations about is to celebrate those folks on the front lines who are day in and day out, providing the best, most exceptional services and experiences for customers. And before we launch into the amazing stories that we have featuring Alberta Motor Association, Butterball, Turkey Talk Line, and Camus, I know Nate, you have an extensive background in customer service and especially in customer experience. I do. And you have some wonderful stories, but I know that there's one that you recently told me about that I kind of <sighs> want you to talk about because I think it, it'll set the stage and let our audience know kind of what to expect in some of the stories and then also glean a little bit of details on that common thread that's really been part of all of the stories that we've heard in this podcast.
0: Well, if it's the story I think you're talking about, it comes from a young handsome Nathan long, (laughs) long time ago uh, when I was like a freshman in college. And part of the way that I paid my way through college was I worked at this really kind of upscale, expensive clothing store. And I was there to help people try on suits and get the right shoes and match their clothes and all that stuff. One day, a really, really fascinating looking person walked in. This person was very, very tall. Probably about six, six. And from the neck down, they just looked like a regular person t shirt, shorts, flip flops. But from the neck up, it was Elvis Presley like glasses, hair sculpted sideburns this guy from the neck up was Elvis i would come to find out later that he was actually an elvis impersonator <laughs> that was did he do his the job. lip thing
1: when he smiled he, and said he hello did. to
0: you you know it's so funny i'm sure that if i were to see him on stage he would have definitely done the lip thing but it was just like this regular voice coming out of this really interesting looking fellow that from the neck up was elvis well anyway a lot of the people that worked for me like come into our department and nobody was at a rush to go help him because I maybe they didn't think he looked like he could spend a lot of money and it was a commission-based salary so
1: and that's unfortunate right like a little bit of that bias and and all that blazing yeah
0: just uh judging people by their by your perception of them well this is one of those cases where I was glad that I didn't fall into that category of judging people just by how they looked because i went over greeted the guy introduced myself and asked him if there was anything i could do to help him out and i learned that his entire family had driven they lived about an hour hour and 15 minutes away from the store and they drove here to do this gigantic shopping spree for a family of four his wife was there as well and they had two uh two teenagers a, a son and a daughter and No kidding, he had just won the lottery. Like he had literally won the lottery a couple (laughs) months previous and they had been planning this like large excursion to come out and uh, shop. So I spent really probably about four or five hours with this entire family covering the Two different levels of the store that I worked in, all of the different departments and gathering all of this stuff. And I remember they spent a lot of money that day, a lot of money that day. And they were just really, really good folks. Well, some of the clothes that they wanted, we didn't have the right sizes or a color or something like that. So Mm -hmm. I called around to the other stores and had those items shipped to my store. But the problem was is that this family lived so far away and they they didn't wanna come back out for some of these things. So I said, well, I will drive them to you when we have all the stuff. And that's what I did. I put, once we got all their items that they were missing, I boxed them up uh, individually. I made sure they all looked wonderful. And I packed them up in my car and drove, Took probably took me about an hour and a half in Chicago traffic to get out to where these folks lived and brought them all their packages, all their clothes. And they were super, super thrilled. They poured uh, uh, some iced tea for me. We sat down by their brand new pool that they just <laughs> installed and chatted for a little while. They were so appreciative. I ended up working at that store for the next year, year and a half or so. And I had those customers for life. They would call me whenever they needed something. I would started shipping stuff out to them. I was there, became their personal shopper. Mm-hmm. And we just developed a really, really great relationship. That was one of those things early on that I thought, you just have to take care of people. You just have to do the right thing. And also, perceptions oftentimes can lead you down the wrong path if you pay attention to that sort of thing, too. So that was a young, handsome Nathan <laughs> in his his decisions to uh, to help out an Elvis impersonator. I will never forget that guy. Never forget that guy. So we have, just like Mari was saying, we have three stories or three customers that are going to share a multitude of customer experience tales from the front lines of customer service and each one of these stories represents that same philosophy of really just doing the right thing for your customers no matter what. And it's that kind of good news that we could really use today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you talk about just doing the right thing. Where does that come from? What spurred you to say, you know what? I'm gonna actually take it upon myself to drive it out there. Cause it wasn't your manager who said, right. you need to go do this. It was something that you innately knew that you had to do. And that's kind of some of the things that we were hearing as a common thread in all the stories that we heard in this episode was folks just kind of heard maybe the need in a customer's voice or something, and they just knew instinctively what to do.
0: Yeah, as far as where that comes from, for me, I think my mom instilled just a lot of that philosophy into me. I think she was an incredible example of somebody who always went above and beyond in her career for the people that she was serving. And I grew up watching my mom and going to work with my mom. And I think I just gleaned a lot of that from, from her, honestly. Mm-hmm. So it kind of didn't occur to me to not do that sort of thing. I saw customers who were in need. I empathized with that and wanted to develop a relationship with them and I think it, it worked out for everybody.
1: Well, I think it's a good time to go ahead and hear from our first guest, Vicki Sherwin from Alberta Motor Association. And Nate, you talked about how you earn customers for life with how you went above and beyond with that family, treating them with respect and empathy and really going that extra mile. And it's very apparent that Alberta Motor Association takes that philosophy to heart, especially in their motto of TYLF, or treat you like friends and family.
0: Their ability to pivot their business model to show up for their customers is an incredible story of empathy and really just going above and beyond. And I'm going to let everybody listen to their story because it is a great one and you're not going to want to miss it. Now, Vicki, you are with the Alberta Motor Association. Can you give us your very important title and then tell us what you love about what you do?
2: I am the Director of Operations for Membership and Member Rewards here at AMA. And what I love about what I do is that I get to help our members every single day.
0: For those of us who are listening that may not know what AMA does, can you give us a little brief description of what you guys are all about?
2: Sure. Well, we, first and foremost, are a membership organization, and we've been around forever. We have been around since 1926, if you can imagine that, and we were built on community. We started off years and years ago advocating for members for better roads and that kind of thing, and we just continue to grow on that basis, on that big sense of community.
1: What are some of the services that folks can expect out of AMA?
2: Well, we're known for our roadside assistance, obviously, that's the number one reason that members join AMA, but we've evolved over the years and we have all kinds of services, whether it be insurance products and services, uh, registries, and so that would be anything that you need around your car in terms of licensing or uh, license plates, driver's licenses, that sort of thing. We have a rewards program and that means that members save every day. So really that card is top of wallet for them. So whether they're dining or shopping or going to a movie, they can save money as a member of AMA.
0: Vicki, what's changed in this last year specifically, in the last seven or so months since we've all had to make adjustments in our personal lives and in our business because of COVID? What's changed at AMA and how have you adjusted to continue to provide outstanding customer experiences for your members?
2: Well, what changed for us was a lot of things, actually. Uh, with COVID, we shut down our centers for the first time since 1926. So we have 17 centers across our province, and we had to shut our centers down to keep our our members safe, to keep our staff safe, and just to give ourselves a, a moment to understand what actually was happening and, and what we would do next. We have a lot of events that we host for our members. We had to cancel all of those. And so once everybody was home and safe, we kind of had to take a look at what comes next. What can we do now to to continue to do what we do best? And that's protecting our members and the things that they care about most. So we did a number of things, um, starting with um, social calls. So we knew that we had probably a bunch of members at home who were feeling isolated, feeling alone. And so we stood up a social call program. We asked members if they were interested in having us reach out, and uh, we got a great response from that. So we reached out. We set up a team of folks uh, from across the province, and these were travel agents and people who did registry services and that sort of thing, the people who would normally be working in our centres. And we had them call our members at home, at their convenience, on their time,
0: and just chat when they got somebody on the other line, what would they, what would they say? Would they just say, Hey, I'm calling from AMA and I just wanted to check in and see how you, how you are. Yeah, pretty much. So it was very
2: much just that. It was just a social call. It was a bit of a a wellness check without getting too far into the wellness because we're not experts in that field. But it was just, hey, how are you doing? What's changed for you? How are you coping? You know, who's doing your grocery shopping, right? Um, Depending on the individual, it could have gone anywhere. So one of my favorites is really around one of the first calls we had was to a lady who was at home with her husband and they were isolating because they were senior. And thank goodness it was one of these employees and not me having to talk about it because they talked about crocheting and crafting and cooking. And I was like, oh my goodness. So they were talking about patterns and dresses and designs and stuff. And suddenly it kind of changed. And they were talking about masks and how you make it because the, the senior said that she'd been in Zoom meetings and YouTubing. And, and so our agent was showing her on YouTube where to find the patterns for masks. And they had this whole side conversation about how you do that. It was amazing.
0: That is really incredible. And an example of proactive customer experience. You didn't have to reach out to your members that way. You didn't have to connect with them that way, but you did. And I'm sure that the members are really realizing the reward of being in a relationship with an organization like yours. And I think that's tremendous. And you don't see that a lot.
2: Yeah, it was a really neat opportunity for us and something that we wouldn't, you know, have the time to to be able to do in a normal basis. Right. But it's, it wasn't too much of a stretch for us because that's really what we do for our members. Like, we're a part of them, their lives in so many ways. So we just need to try to connect with them in a different way.
1: One of the things that you mentioned a lot is community. And mm-hmm. in our conversations before, you have this concept of treat you like family. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that and how that is incorporated in not only these COVID-specific initiatives, but maybe in how you just deliver that experience and service year in, year out.
2: Right. So that's our culture. Our culture is really like treat you like friends and family. Our brand promise is really practically family. So uh, we're building those relationships all the time in the regular delivery of service, if you will. So We go above and beyond often. So what we do even on a regular basis with our tow truck drivers, right? So our service uh, vehicle operators will go out to a scene. I can think of a story I could tell you about recently. uh, Again, this is COVID, but even pre-COVID, one of our members required uh, service because his battery had failed so our service vehicle operator went out provided the service on the battery the car hadn't been driven in a while no problem got the battery going everything was great he drove away the members like oh my goodness i was gonna get him to check my tire pressure too because i haven't driven this car for quite some time so he called us back and he ended up chatting with one of the supervisors and that supervisor's like oh my goodness sorry i'll send the fellow back and wasn't able to do that because the operator who'd been there had been off to another call. So he himself, the supervisor, went out to that member. And the member's like, I'm sorry, is this Robert? Are you Robert? Like the guy who I just spoke to on the phone? He's like, Yeah, sorry. He goes, My operator had to get off to another call, but I didn't want to leave you here stranded because I knew you were wanting to go out. And that member actually called us back and just said, Excuse me, like I have to commend you guys. You constantly go above and beyond. And I just, I I can't think of another relationship with an organization that I have that's so great and so strong. You guys just knock it out of the park every time. So we do these kinds of things all of the time. Naturally, it's how we live on that TYLF promise. Treat you like family and friends.
0: That's incredible how you proactively reach out with empathy. I can't think of a a more recent or, or better example of an organization displaying active empathy to their customer base. And I think that's tremendous. One of the things that I also love that you've pivoted is how you're using your tow trucks. Can you talk a little bit more about what that looks like when when the normal or when the general public sees a tow truck coming their way, it's usually not good news. They're usually broken right. down on the side of the road or something like that, but y'all kind of changed that.
2: We did. So, one of the other things that we did in an effort to spread happiness, I guess, if you can do that with a tow truck, we also, uh, one of our community initiatives that we launched during COVID was the birthday tow truck greeting. Yes, you've heard that, (laughs) the birthday tow truck greeting. It's a mouthful. But essentially what it is, is members can call us and arrange a uh, tow truck greeting for their friend or family's birthday and so what we do is we send one of our beautiful tow trucks with a fun driver out to their home with in hand a gift including a teddy bear with a party hat a birthday card and a lawn sign and so we safely of course in social distance but we go out there lights flashing anything and it gives them the opportunity to do something different for those birthdays and we've had such amazing feedback from our members we had this one lady actually I ended up getting a call from her we had sent it out for her husband's birthday and she was just like oh my goodness she goes I'm a little embarrassed actually because my husband didn't let your service operator go because he wanted to chitter chatter about trucks and cars and everything else so it's just it's been appreciated by 80 year olds and eight year olds like who knew so yeah
1: so you're talking about members really enjoying it what is that like for the morale of your employees? How has being able to write in somebody's day, even during COVID and even before COVID really had an impact on your employees?
2: Our employees are amazing people. And as I said to you before, I could brag about them all day long, but I mean, we all have things going on during COVID, right? It's affected all of us in some way. And so these things that our staff are able to do that bring joy to others, bring joy to them too right? The social calls, the birthday greetings, those are really good experiences, not just for our members. Our employees enjoy them a lot too. Getting the opportunity, being afforded the opportunity just to chat with a member for 30 minutes, like it's amazing. And just listening to our staff and how caring they are it blows my mind. It, it truly does. They are living and breathing our brand and our culture. And it really does help them, I think, from a mental, you know, like a health perspective. Because I think everybody struggles during this time, right? It's new for everybody.
0: It strikes me that you have to find a very specific kind of person to join your team mm-hmm. at AMA. Because you can't just find that sort of empathy anywhere. You know, you can't put empathy on a job post. I wonder how you find people to come into your organization that fits so well within your culture.
2: Yeah, we hire for attitude and train for skill here. That's, That's really what we do. We hire for attitude and train for skill. That's kind of what we've been doing for a very long time. We found that's that's the silver bullet, right? That's how you get those people who are able to connect and build those relationships and and really live out that brand experience and that member experience that we strive for every day.
0: Vicki, are there any other stories of oh. happiness, of peril from the road, of well, high there's... stakes and high jinks yeah. that you could share with us?
2: There are tons. One I wanted to tell you about, though, is just, again, this, you're talking about empathy. And here's one that really, I think, will expose just how how our people think and and how they act in a time where they need to. So we had a non-member call in. We're from Canada. Yes, it snows and it's cold and winters are bad and roads get crappy and it's horrible. (laughs) So, yes, that's true. So, on one of those days when the weather was really, really bad, we had this non-member. She was involved in a collision and her car was totaled. She was okay. But her car was totaled and she was upset a little bit younger, so not a lot of life experience. And this was just overwhelming for her. And there were police on the scene to to clear the, the collision and what have you. And she was like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do. And the police officer said, well, call AMA. And she's like, oh, but I'm not a member. And she didn't know what else to do. So she called AMA and immediately the first thing we say, are you in a safe location? oh my goodness, I think that caused more tears to stroll down her face. She's like, well, no. And she explained where she was and what was happening. And our agent immediately dispatched a tow truck. You know, where are you? What are you driving? Like, we're going to see you, obviously. You're in the middle of an intersection, et cetera, et cetera. And then it was after we got the tow truck on route, the agent circled back and said, now, do you have a membership with us? And And the girl's like, no, but I will now and forever. We didn't even take the moment to pause, to collect that member information, we could hear the strife in her voice and how panicked and unsettled she was. And we just took care of her. So we do that all day long.
0: Man, Vicki, that is an incredible story, and I know that you have so many more just like it, and I just want to applaud you and the entire team and organization at AMA. Uh, One of the things that we're seeing in the stories for this episode specifically is that there are so many organizations out there that operate under empathy, but there aren't enough. There just aren't enough of, of folks and organizations that take the time to just help, to just see somebody in need and recognize what they need to do. Even if they're not a member, that's incredible. Vicki, thank you so much for taking a moment with us. These have been great stories and I'm thinking about moving to Alberta. And <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm glad that I've got friends up there. So thank you very much, Vicky, for joining us.
2: Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me.
0: If you are hungry right now, I suggest you go get something yummy to eat before you listen to our next guests. They are some of the turkey talk line experts. We have Andrea and we have Bill, and I cannot wait for you to hear the things that they have encountered in their line of work. It's actually really, really incredible.
1: Yes, they both talk about the times that not only they were there to give recipe help, but also those times where it's been a little bit personal. Bill goes into telling a story about how he helped a family as they were dealing with a tragedy, but also trying to make the most of the holiday season. And I think this is a great example of where we put aside our KPIs and our metrics in the call center to actually just do the right thing and really make sure their people and their customers are taken care of. So stick with us.
0: I wonder if you could give us a little insight into what the Turkey Talk Line is for those of our listeners who are yet uninitiated to this incredible service.
3: I'll take that. You know, the Talk Line is something that's legendary in this country, and it's been around for 40 years. And a lot of people, you know, you see it, you've seen it on episodes of the West Wing. It's been featured and people always like, oh, yeah, the talk line, you know, it's it's Thanksgiving time. You know and what it is, it was started by a group of home economists and uh, it was about six ladies that came together. And they wanted to um, have this talk line for people that were trying to make the turkeys for Thanksgiving because it can be a little stressful. And so they started this talk line where they were taking calls from people all over the country. And it grew over the years. And now it encompasses uh, we have a staff of about fifty people, fifty talk line experts that uh, not only answer calls, but we receive text messages from our customers, we receive email inquiries from our customers. We like to have a variety of options for people to get a hold of us. And talk to us and ask questions about thanksgiving turkey essentially we're open from november 1st to uh, december 24th christmas eve uh, we are open for about a week or two in october for canadian thanksgiving as well
1: any similarities that you're seeing between canada and the united states or is it totally different questions that you're getting
4: there are some differences between the borders and actually it seems like the canadians are a little more intuitive to cooking But they still call us, maybe they have a new appliance that they're trying out, and they want some advice on that, or there's just a new technique that they want to try, so they'll call us with that, but they do love to cook, and so we have some really great conversations with them about cooking.
0: Andrea, I know when you're staffing the Turkey Talk line, there are a couple of things that are really, really important. First and foremost, I think, is a tremendous amount of empathy. But I think there's something else that's unique and special about the way that the Turkey Talk line is staffed. Can you talk a little bit about that?
4: Oh, sure. We have a really wide depth of knowledge with our team and you definitely need to have some compassion when you're talking to the different consumers and i think one of the most important things is that we we have to listen first we have to be a listener and then we have to be a turkey expert second so just the depth of knowledge we have chefs on our staff we have home economists, we have teachers, we have culinary experts. We're all passionate about food and just the knowledge that we come together with. We learn from each other when we're talking to our consumers, when we have conversations and trainings. And then we also learn from our consumers. A lot of times they'll call in and we'll say, oh, we haven't thought of that. So we learn a lot from just listening to them as well.
1: Uh, you talked about having chefs on the Turkey Talk line. Bill, I know you are a chef by trade. Mm-hmm. Kind of tell us a little bit of a heartwarming story or a story where you are able to mix both your chef knowledge and what Andrea was talking about, that listening with compassion and delivering the best service possible.
3: It's interesting. As Andrea said, we have this wide range of people that with a lot of different backgrounds. And being a chef, we have a couple of us on there that are chefs and Being a chef, what I bring to it is I've not only worked in restaurants, but I've also taught culinary arts at the college level. So I've taught people from little kids to 80-year-old people to come in to to learn how to cook. So to me, what I bring to it is, number, number one, attitude. There's no such thing as somebody who has a silly question. You know, we have to be very encompassing, forgiving saying, you know, sometimes people are, you know, they're a little embarrassed. They might say, you won't believe what I did. You know, I took this turkey and it's like, just take a breath, you know, just breathe. Everything's going to be okay. So, you know, I bring my background in instructional knowledge and and how to instruct someone how to do it without being their hands on with my hands saying, okay, you should do this and this and this and then mix in of course that empathy i had a gentleman that called my first year on the talk line and he was an older gentleman and he had lost his wife and i spent some time with him that night on the phone to talk him through the whole process on how so there was a mix of culinary and how to do it but also you know having that that empathy and keeping that in mind you know my heart went out to the guy you know he wanted to make this meal for his children to honor his wife who had passed away so, you know, usually our calls don't go real long, but uh, this one was a little bit longer, but hopefully at the end, you know, he pulled off a good meal for his family. So, you know, we we're all there really because we want to help people, you know, and we, the thing that I'd like to stress also, we work on Thanksgiving day, you know, so there's people that have been doing this there for 30 years that haven't been home for Thanksgiving in 30 years. So, you know, we do it because it's, it's a passion, you know, I will tell you, I think I could speak for the whole team. It's a passion to do what we do. And we, we all really do love our jobs.
0: Bill, I know in contact centers, what is often very important in front of mind, especially for supervisors, is the time it takes to get a call resolved. I know that for you and for those like you on the Turkey Talk line, sometimes that resolution isn't the most important thing, especially when we're talking about empathy. And I wonder how you strike that balance between efficiency and empathy, especially when you know it's the day before Thanksgiving and your call volumes are going through the roof and you see a lot of people are waiting to talk to you. How do you strike that balance?
3: What we like to do is we take a look at it. It's a great question, by the way, because we do have, to, when you have calls that are just stacking up and stacking up, and as we're getting closer to the holiday, they, get, they always get historically higher, the call volumes. And what I like to do is I will take a look and, and uh, listen to a call and say you know if this is something that's being redundant and we're really not going anywhere with this and we're we're repeating the same answer over and over again it's time to try to divert that customer maybe to the website to get to the resources there that we have through videos and other resources that we have on the website at waterball.com that they can, they can get for an answer. But if we are moving along and getting something done with the customer, also take a look at the call volume because we can take a look at it and see if it is really backed up or if there's you know what the average wait time is. Obviously, we don't want to lose a customer hanging up from being uh, frustrated by waiting too long. So it's a balancing act, you know, uh, to give a long answer to a question. It's a balancing act to just take a look at the call. Are we getting something, you know, that's worthwhile across or can it be diverted to somebody that can go to the website and access some resources there?
1: So Andrea, wanting to know if you have a favorite story, your years on the Turkey Talk Line, either from Canadian Thanksgiving or from U.S. Thanksgiving that you'd like to share with us.
4: Oh, definitely. There's so many that you remember, and it is just so heartwarming to talk to them. And this is a really unique time when they're calling us you know, Thanksgiving is a celebration and they're trying to make it wonderful for their family. And so they're calling us and asking us for help. And so for us to just talk through some of the issues that they're having and to be able to help them just creates that warm, nice environment. And one of the calls that I remember, it was one of my first years, a gentleman had called me and we were just talking and he kind of cut me off in the middle and he said, wait, my wife wants to talk to you now. So he handed the phone over to his wife. And so she asked me questions and we talked for a little bit. And then she said, wait, my husband wants to talk to you again. And so they passed the phone back and forth a few times and it was just so endearing. They just really wanted to talk to me, and they both wanted to talk to me. You were (laughs) truly a part
0: of their Thanksgiving. You were like in the house with them. They were passing (laughs) you around to the whole family.
4: Right. I was just a friend or a confidant that they could call and ask some questions, and it really was a great experience.
0: Andrea, where is the weirdest or strangest or most off-the-wall place that someone has called in and said, my turkey is... X, Y, Z. It is missing. It's in a different location. It it grew its feathers back and scampered away. Um, and do you have anything where a turkey was in a place it shouldn't have been?
4: Oh, definitely. You know, I have children and they can be mischievous. And this one woman had called me and uh, she thought the turkey was safely put away in the refrigerator and come to find out that the Children had taken the turkey outside in the snow and they were playing with it wrapped up and she was horrified. She's like, is my turkey going to be okay? So thankfully it was cold. They were playing in the snow and it was still wrapped. So I just said, bring the turkey back in and it'll be completely fine. But that was a new one. I, I was not prepared for that.
0: As long as it was still wrapped in my, when, when I hear that story in my mind, I, I hear this like turkey being taken out of the oven, stuffing's falling out of it. It was almost ready. And then it's outside involved in a snowball fight. So thank goodness it was still wrapped. I'm wondering how Butterball is preparing for this coming holiday season. Obviously 2020 has been a tumultuous year. There are lots of folks who may have been used to traveling outside of their homes to go visit relatives that may not be able to do that this year. I think we're all in a kind of different mental state around the globe. I'm wondering if you all have prepared for that, or if you are preparing for that? And if so, what is that difference going to look like for your customers?
3: First and foremost, health and food safety is of the utmost importance to Butterball. You know, and as a chef, food safety has always been number one for me. I mean, it's one of the things if we don't have food that is safe, it's not going to matter how it tastes or how it turns out. So one of the things that we're thinking about right now and, and one of the things we're concentrating on is realizing that, number one, from a perspective of what people are going to be making this year, I think what we're going to find is people are going to be making smaller turkeys or alternatives to a whole turkey. You know, the great thing about Butterball, we don't just sell turkeys, we sell boneless turkey roasts, we sell turkey breasts with the bone in, we sell turkey breasts with the bone out. So there are going to be smaller gatherings of people this year, of course, because of what's going on. And uh, so we, Want to be able to offer those products to people and say, "Well, this is an option for you." But on the side of food safety, you know, we we try to advise people, of course, uh, on food safety and food temperatures. But basic food handling, really, to me, is what it comes down to: is the food being handled by multiple people? You know, that when it's being prepared, if you're the host, are you going to be the one that is doing the serving? You know, I don't know if you necessarily are going to want to have a buffet line where everybody is coming through a buffet and reaching in and grabbing turkey. You know, maybe a better option for you would be to have the turkey or the food lined up on a counter and have somebody plate the food and then take it, you know, of course, wearing masks, gloves and things of that nature. And that's one of the—that's some of the things that we'll be going through also in uh, the month of October, because we go through trainings with our team, and we'll be talking about food safety and proper food handling and things we can suggest.
0: Andrea, as Bill mentioned early in our conversation, you all are working on or through holidays, and I'm wondering how the both of you kind of reconcile that. I mean, is that cool with your families? How do you strike that balance of being with your family on the holidays and also being so available to all of these customers who are calling in with their problems right first of all thank you for doing that i think it's remarkable and i'm just wondering how your families feel about that
4: well we've definitely made a commitment to spend that time with butterball and that almost gives me some energy to spend time with my family too And, you know, it's just it's okay. We've worked it out. Every family kind of has a different way to celebrate. And with my family, we've just gotten really creative. If I work an earlier shift, we still have a later dinner on Thanksgiving Day. We've also moved it to the weekend so that we can celebrate big and celebrate all day. So to me, it's not necessarily about that day. I love spending the time with the consumers, with the staff. That's almost like my Thanksgiving time too. And then I go home and and get to spend the time with my family. So unique ways, getting creative, I think is is all about part of our staff as well.
0: One of my Uh, favorite parts about uh, Thanksgiving is the leftovers. After Thanksgiving Day. In fact, sometimes I feel like the leftovers from Thanksgiving meal are even better than the actual meal itself. Do you have any tips or tricks on how to have the best leftovers after that initial uh, meal is done?
3: From a food safety standpoint, you know, that's the first thing, again, we need to talk about because a lot of times people will take their leftovers and they'll be eating it two weeks later, you know, and uh, that's definitely not something that you want to do from a food safety standpoint. So our rule of thumb is three days after Thanksgiving. So, or after when you have the turkey, maybe you're going to do it on Friday. So three days after Friday, but most importantly, when you finish your Thanksgiving meal, it's very important that you take that turkey and get all of the meat off of the carcass. You don't want to put a turkey into the refrigerator that is half carved or there's remaining meat on there because that can be a food safety hazard. So uh, get the meat off the carcass. It'll preserve the quality of of the meat, but also the flavor of the meat. So get it off the carcass, refrigerate it for three days. If it's still there in my house, it won't be there after three days. I'll tell you that right now. But if it's still there, you can then freeze it. So wrap it tightly and freeze it and you can preserve it that way as well.
1: The holidays are about tradition, and I think this year, more than ever, I think folks are really going to be leaning in on some of those traditions. This is a question for both of you. For your Thanksgiving, is there a tradition or a signature dish that you both prepare for your family that you're willing to share with us?
4: Yeah, I can go first. Thanksgiving has definitely evolved over the years. And as my children grow, it does change. And so it seems like our traditions have changed a little bit, but definitely getting together and having a wonderful meal is a great part of Thanksgiving. And We always take the time to say what we're thankful for. And that's just something that, you know, we like to talk about with the family, with the kids now, and it has changed over the years, what they are thankful for. So um, that's always a fun exercise to do with the family. And one of the recipes that my children just love is a pumpkin bread that I make. So I always make that for Thanksgiving.
0: When you're preparing stuffing in your house, do you put chunks of celery in there or no celery?
3: I love celery. I love celery in everything. I love celery soup. I love cream of celery soup. Not the kind that comes in a can, but the kind you make yourself. But uh, I love celery and I love to put celery in my stuffing. I put onions in my uh, stuffing. I put sausage in my stuffing. I put raisins and I put apples in my stuffing. So, and a little fresh sage is nice to chop up and throw in there. I do not like uh, food that is boring. I like food that is vibrant and food that is just me. Everybody is different, but I like things that are going to pop. The bad thing about having a lot of things in a stuffing like that, if you have a picky crowds, one person might say, well, I don't eat apples and I don't eat raisins. Well, then we have to make a dish of regular stuffing for them or, or to be political. I would say we make a different dish of your preference of stuffing, you know, so uh, <laughs> we don't want to put the, put the, Want to send anybody that they're ruining anything for us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have you ever had a call where you just knew someone just needed to talk that they just needed somebody to listen to? And if so, I'm wondering what how what was involved in that. How did that go down? And how do you prioritize something like that?
4: Oh, sure. I can take that. There's a lot of times where our consumers are calling in, and you know, it's a comfortable place to call. We're not trying to sell anything. We're just there to help them. And so when they call us, a lot of times they just want to talk to someone. A couple of times I've had a caller where they maybe have lost a loved one. And so their Thanksgiving is going to be a little bit different than a previous year. And so they may want to be making in the turkey like their spouse had made and they just want to talk about it. They just want to get that personal connection and that's what we are there for. We're there to answer their questions. We can talk through the cooking questions that they have. You know, we even have some fun with them sometimes, you know, they'll ask us about decorating or what else to serve with their Thanksgiving meal. So it's, it's a nice time to just really connect with our consumers and help them in a way that they need. And, you know, like I said before, we need to be a listener first and an expert second.
1: As we wrap up, what is your one biggest tip? So both Nate and I don't mess up each of our respective (laughs) Thanksgiving dinners uh, coming up here shortly.
3: Well, I would say uh, if you do mess up, call Butterball and we, I guarantee you will be there. But uh, what I always tell people is like anything, if you're going to have a party is to have a plan, you know, have a plan and have everything that you need on hand. So you take that off the stress menu for the day of Thanksgiving, you know, have a food thermometer, have the turkey, make sure it's thawed, you know, um, have the pan that it's going to go into, know how to cook it, you know, and do all your homework before it starts And if you do all your homework, I'll tell you, a turkey is the easiest thing in the world. I'm I'm not lying. It is the easiest thing in the world to make. So if you do that and you have a plan, you'll be successful. It'll be a great meal.
4: Absolutely. I say, if you can plan ahead and be prepared, you'll have success. It'll be easy. And just one thing to note, large turkeys take a long time to thaw in the refrigerator. So you have to plan ahead. That's my number one tip.
0: Have a plan. Otherwise, everybody's going to be eating Pop-Tarts on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have a problem cooking those Pop-Tarts, Bill and Andrea will be there for you.
3: Absolutely. right.
0: Bill, Andrea, thank you so much for taking a moment with us. We've so enjoyed our time together. And thank you for having so much empathy and so much willingness to help people out in times of stress and worry, even if it's just over Thanksgiving dinner. Thank you both for being here.
4: Thank Thank you you for having having us.
1: So for those of you who've gotten to know me a bit over the course of our three seasons, while I do like the hiking and the physical activity, I'm probably not the type to be roughing it out there in the wilderness with a tent and trying to make my own fire. But I can get behind glamping for sure. But the alternative, probably not for me. What about you, Nate?
0: So I am definitely not outdoorsy by any stretch of the imagination, but that doesn't matter because our next guest is Penny from the company called Camus. Camus is end to end services, they say, from website to campsite. They handle everything from campground reservations and park management, activity and event tracking, marina reservations, backcountry reservations. They really do the whole gamut of camping services and booking, and it's a really, really interesting business model. And as you can imagine, they've got lots of great stories from folks who wanted to get out there and rough it and maybe face some unexpected challenges along the way. So take a moment with Camus. Penny, you are the manager of call center operations at Camus. Can you give us a little snapshot of what Camus does and why they're so awesome?
5: Yeah, absolutely. So Camus is a software company and we develop software in-house that our clients use to make camping reservations. So we have customers across Canada and the United States, Um, mostly these are like states and provinces that use our reservation website. Customers can go online and make their camping reservations Uh, along with the software being used as well as at the parks themselves. We offer call center services to go along with that. So customers who want to call into the call center to make their reservation or are experiencing problems, or just have questions, can call into the call center for help with their camping reservations. So we get to help customers plan their vacations. So it's one of the best aspects of the job. It's not a
0: bad job to have.
5: (laughs) Most of the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, along those lines, since vacations are something that is now really a luxury uh, in times of COVID. But before that, I'm sure that you might have some interesting stories or stories where maybe you and your Asians may have been able to save somebody's vacation. Wondering if you can kind of dive into some of those fun stories that you might have.
5: So I did have an agent tell me about a one time that it was actually a first-time camper. So the agent had spoken with a gentleman who'd never been camping before, and he wanted to take his two daughters camping. He was coming from the Manitouan Islands area of Ontario, going towards Toronto, and they wanted to stop someplace in between. And of course, it was the long weekend. As you can imagine, in the camping world, the long weekends, most parks and pretty much any client that we service will fill up far in advance so the agent found availability at one park and sometimes it's a real-time system so when somebody cancels the site will become available you know so it's just a matter of hitting it at the right time to see if you can find somebody that site so the customer is really excited about it It, the park had three beaches there was only one site left but unfortunately it was just a a barrier-free site so that means accessible site so the customer didn't qualify for that So then the agent found another park that had two sites available. One was pretty close to the beach, which was was exciting for him, because that was one thing he wanted to do with his daughters. And he got all excited because it was also close to the pet beach as well, and they were bringing their dogs. So the agent was able to reserve the site for the customer, and he was so excited to go camping for the first time. And the agent was just happy that he hopefully made a lifelong camper out of that person.
0: I feel so much affinity to that customer of yours because <laughs> I hate to say it, I am not what you might call outdoorsy. Um, <laughs> I look pretty big and burly, but like I, I camping to me is like you know staying at a Super Eight hotel or something like that. That's like roughing it for me. Do you um, like the
1: glamp? You like yeah, i like, I'm, better? I'm more
0: of a I'm more <laughs> of a glamper. Uh, <laughs> so I and I I love the idea of a pet beach as well having just adopted my puppy. And I'm thinking what a disaster that would be uh, for me. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just taking him. I'm taking him to the hotel. (laughs) I think it strikes me as great sharing stories of fantastic customer experiences of people going above and beyond for a customer. And I'm wondering if you have any other stories that you want to share about your agents and uh, really celebrating them, getting somebody out of a pickle or, or just like you said, saving another vacation.
5: Sure. Yeah. So I do have another one. So we had a customer, and it's interesting because our theme is is agents have to tell us how they made their day, like how they made the customer's day. So these are incentives that we have going on out throughout the summer to share stories. So one of the agents a couple years ago, and they had mudslides in one of the Washington State parks is one of the clients that we reserve for. The customer had three different reservations that were being impacted, but sometimes when mudslides happen, they those sites can't be used. They have to close them off. Unfortunately, the dates and the sites were just a mess. So the agent was trying to help the customer and move them to a different site, move them to a different park. He mentioned that the customer was very patient with him, which was great. Put him on hold, was able to accommodate the customer, even if it meant the customer had to move different sites every night, just because he still really wanted to go to that park because he was really looking forward to it. And then unfortunately, the agent was really worried about it because he couldn't get him in as long as what the original reservations were for. So it was, he had to shorten the trip a little bit, but the customer was actually okay with it. He said the customer was actually really funny and just kept cracking jokes, which, you know, is usually not too funny when campers try to, you know, make jokes on the phone with you. But he was Yeah, very usually
0: mudslides <laughs> mud aren't usually <laughs> <No>. that funny, <laughs> but um, is it, it's a good sign that he still had some humor. Okay, it's yeah. so a good sign. Yeah.
5: In the end, it ended up being a very cute old man. In the end, they had a great time playing along with the jokes. The customer talked about his cats and his granddaughter, but he was able in the end to get him a stay for most of the time that he was originally scheduled. And the customer thanked him many times for just taking the time and doing the best that he could do to get him into the park for the dates that he wanted to go.
1: You know, one of the things that I'm noticing in both of the stories that you tell is the fact that your agents really take the time to not only help them, but in that way that they're helping, they're able to really connect with that customer and they learn things about them. Like you said, they found out that he has a dog and he has granddaughters. How important is it um, for you as the contact center operations manager that your agents are able to develop that rapport quite quickly um, with customers with your customers?
5: It's very important. We want to have the agents definitely build that rapport because that builds confidence with them. And when the customers calling in have confidence and have that connection with an agent, it actually helps them get through that call a lot faster because as you know, like every call center has its efficiency metrics that we also need to make. So they really need to balance, you know, the efficiency. And sometimes the best way to do that is to build up the rapport very quickly with your customers and just tell them like, this is what I'm going to do for you. And it makes the calls go a lot smoother.
0: Penny, I'm wondering uh, in your years of experience managing call centers and call center operations. What do you think is the most important quality of somebody that you're looking for to be like a rock star agent? When you're hiring, what are you looking for in those people? I mean, obviously, everybody's looking for, they have X amount of experience or whatever, but can you think of something that might set someone apart? You know, when you think of those folks that work for you who are just your best agents and they really strive to make that customer's day every time, what is that thing and how do we tap into it?
5: I think when I'm looking for staff, I think it is just someone who's able to, you know, retain information and and make that connection, they have a sparkle about them. You know, I tell, you know, my recruiters and my supervisors, I always tell them, yes, we do, like when we're looking for talent, we score them and we have, you know, we assess them a score in the end, but I always tell them like the ultimate decision is always what's in your gut. Like you always get this good feeling or you get a bad feeling about a person. And I always like, it could be someone who scored really well, but if something just didn't sit right, you really have to trust what your gut is telling you uh, about that candidate.
1: One of the common themes we hear from um, a lot of customers and contact center managers and operations leaders is the importance of empathy. Empathy in their contact center, empathy from each of their agents. How important is that for you? And what are some ways that you and your agents uh, show that to your customers?
5: Empathy has absolutely been the biggest, I think most important this year before any other year with COVID. As you can imagine, the the campers, we had to cancel a lot of reservations this year because the parks just shut down, you know, when everything was kind of just started happening. So most customers were understanding of it, just showing that empathy when they called in customers were really disappointed about it. And then, you know, when the customers called back in to rebook or were able to, you know, actually come for their second, it was really nice to hear those customers hear them say, I'm so looking forward to going like my last two trips were canceled and, you know, I stress to my agents that that needs to be acknowledged, right? Like, you know, I'm so happy you get to go camping this summer, you know, it's and this year has even proven we are getting so many new customers that have never gone camping before. So just relating to those new customers as well, because the safest thing to do is to go camping, to go outdoors, you, you know, you don't want to travel overseas anymore. So you have to even empathize with those new campers because they don't know what they're doing. (laughs) Um, You know, trying to answer their questions about sites because it's just, it's so new to them. So I think it is so important to, you know, be there for the customers and just provide them the support that they need, whether it's, you know, be empathetic, but they have to cancel their camping reservation. Maybe they got sick, so they have to cancel this year. Or even to those new customers that have never done this before, and listen to what they have to say and answer the questions that they have about the camping industry.
0: I love that, and I love your experiences, especially regarding empathy and what we've we've needed an extra dose of empathy this year for sure, and I really appreciate you and the folks at CAMAS providing that to your customers. Penny Petrie, thank you so much for taking a moment with us and best of luck to you out there. I hope that no more mudslides occur (laughs) and everyone is safe at the pet beach. That's where I'm gonna go next. Penny, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you. So I think there's a common theme if you haven't already noticed, and that is of empathy and about trust and about building relationships that last a lifetime. I don't know about you, Nate, but I feel like I can maybe go glamping now. I t- feel very, <laughs>
0: if, if, if Camus is, if they are protecting me like they do the rest of their customers, I feel much better about it. Yeah.
1: And I feel good about being out on the road now and maybe potentially becoming Canadian with all the work that's being done I, up I in Alberta. Know,
0: I know. <laughs> and now we've, we're walking away from this episode with uh, a brand new recipe for stuffing that is just out of this world too and mouthwatering. So, oh my. Goodness, i cannot wait for thanksgiving so <laughs> can't wait to get that butterball of turkey in me thank you so much for joining us for this episode for cx week for cx day and for all of those that are on the front lines of customer experience we thank you for what you're doing these stories have been lighthearted ones where companies were just bringing joy and security But we know a lot of our customers out there are literally in the business of saving lives and what you do day in and day out for your members, for your customers is so much appreciated. Thank you all for taking a moment with us.